0: welcome to the fully expressed podcast where we explore what it means to live your most fully expressed life my name is christina roland and i am your host and i am so excited to bring this podcast to life this has been a labor of love something in the making for a while now and I've been honestly avoiding it. I've been avoiding it for like a year. (laughs) I'm being really straight up with you. And it has taken a lot of twists and turns. And there have been several different iterations of what this would look like. And even when I figured out exactly what it would look like, even just recording this solo podcast has been something that I've just straight up avoided and procrastinated on. And So I'm doing it right now, even when I don't want to. (laughs) Literally sitting in my apartment recording this solo episode when I've been avoiding it for days, because I have to practice what I preach and lean into the fear, lean into the fear of being imperfect, the fear of being misunderstood, the fear of being rejected, and the fear of not being good enough. And that's really scary. It's a really scary thing. And even though I'm a life coach who helps people push past these fears, work through these fears, I myself face them day in and day out, and they can look like a host of different things. Um, but definitely this podcast is one area in which it has come in a like come through with a vengeance. like it, it's been crazy. So you know what? We're doing the damn thing. And I hope that y'all enjoy it. So let me back up for a second because I know I kind of just dove right in there. And this is going to be episode one, but it is not the first episode that I recorded of this podcast. I actually started recording episodes of this podcast. So today is May 15th, 2022. And I started recording episodes of this podcast back in October of 2021. And I recorded about eight or 10 episodes between October to early December, and then nothing until last week. So I want to back up because it's not just that, you know, I was procrastinating on the podcast or anything like that, or that I couldn't get guests. None of that was true. I went through a lot over the past six, seven months, and it has completely changed the way that I see the world and my purpose in the world and what I believe I'm being called to do in the world. So let me back up and give you all that information. So I've been a life coach for about three years now. And I, for the majority of that time worked with women as a woman, myself who lost her hair when she was 18 and has gone through a lot of stuff, I really was on a mission and still am in a a lot of ways on a mission to empower women to live life as their most fully expressed selves, to push past the idea that they have to be a certain something or look a certain way or meet all the expectations that the world and other people put on them. And I really loved it. I I loved the women that I worked with and I was actually really fulfilled. So it wasn't like I was unfulfilled and started looking for something else. So let me just throw that out there. Um, And then, you know, throughout that time, I did have a few male clients sprinkled in here and there in the like two and a half years that I was working with women. And so I wasn't a stranger to working with men, but it wasn't something that I sought out. And back in September 2021, I started working with a guy who came to me um, at a really transitional period in his life. He was a dad, is a dad, he's still around. (laughs) He's a dad of two. And at the time, he was just starting the process of going through a divorce. He had actually had an affair cheated on his wife and decided to leave his wife and two kids to go be with the person he had an affair with. And with just that information, i as a woman have been taught to be angry. <laughs> be angry about that information, reject that person, judge that person, um be afraid of that person and upon meeting this person, I, my heart just like completely opened up to him and you, I could tell that he had such genuine heart and genuine spirit and that he truly felt like he, for the first time in his life, had found the love that he was supposed to have. And I had a very
1: um traditionally masculine type a father and the though my father never had an affair that I know of
0: this man really reminded me of my father in the sense that he was trying his best and he didn't know how to love himself and he didn't know how
1: to live his most fully expressed life without hurting other people. And something called to me, spirit called to me, God put it on my heart to work with this man.
0: And he could not afford me at that time. And I literally was just like, you know what? I feel called to work with you pro bono, completely free. I don't know why, but God is putting it on my heart that I'm supposed to work with you. And I walked out of that first session and I told my then roommate, Seb, who's one of my best friends, who I'm sure y'all will hear about a lot and have heard about a lot on my social media if you follow me there. Um, I said, you know, I think that this guy is going to help heal my heart in relationship to men and my father. And so that was like the first turning point for me where I felt a calling in this direction. And I also want to mention when I say spirit and God, I do not associate myself with any religion. Now, I don't look down on anyone who does. Um, but for me, what spirit, what God, what the universe means, and you know, a lot of people kind of use those interchangeably. For me, um, I'm more in tune with a, a w- one solo force of God, spirit, creator versus like an entire universe. Um, And it's been a long journey to get to this point where I have a really beautiful relationship with God. I was angry at God for a long time and I'll get into that another day. Um, And I'm sure that I'll talk a lot about spirit on this podcast and what that means to me. But just foundationally, um, I have a relationship with a spirit higher than myself. And I feel really called in certain ways. And I feel like I have a relationship and connection with a God that is bigger than me. Um, and it doesn't look like really any of the traditional gods or relationships that I was taught to have in the Christian church. Um, cause that's where I grew up. I grew up in the Christian church. So anyway, I will probably mention God quite a lot. Uh, just know, just know that I am not in the business of putting any type of religion on anyone. And I truly also am at a point in my journey in which I don't believe that you can get to the highest level of healing and the highest level of purpose without having some kind of relationship with something bigger than you. I think that there is actually a ceiling that you get to without spirit, without God, without a creator. and I've experienced things that have made me more sure of that than ever before in my life, which we'll also get into. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, so yes, I started working with this person, and they were a man who um, really started to open my heart and to to explore these other facets of men um, that I hadn't, that like I had thought about, but like maybe not so directly let's say. Okay. Um, and so I honestly, from there, you know, fall, winter, 2021 is such a blur right now, after everything that I went through. And so I honestly can't even remember what else there might have been that contributed to this calling to this decision to, to this process. Um, but one day in November. I I believe maybe I got out of a session with that same man. I walked out of my room and my roommate, Seb, was in the kitchen. And I looked at him and I
1: said, what if I work with only men? (laughs) And Seb goes, oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, that's the key to everything.
0: Immediately. And it was like both of our intuitions and God just put it into both of us that like, this was it. Yes, absolutely. This is the key. This is what you should be doing. This is your purpose. And he said it with such confidence. And I felt it with such conviction in my body that I knew that there was something there. So from that point on, I started, it, I started exploring what that would look like and what that meant for me and for my practice and for the world and why I actually... Wanted to do this. And I immediately got on the phone and started texting people and calling people and setting up conversations with tons of men men that I knew, men that I didn't know, men who work in the coaching space, men who don't work in the coaching space. And I just started picking everyone's brain and I started reading and I started listening and just really dove into the world
1: of men. And then on I believe it was December tenth, something like that,
0: something right around there. Um, my father, who who was much older, he was fifty when I was born, so he was eighty um, when he died. Um, who, he had been struggling for par- struggling
1: with Parkinson's and dementia for the past fifteen years. And. We, for the past year or so, had been preparing ourselves for the end
0: and around on December 12th, 10th or so, whatever that was, I got a call that was like, okay, yeah, this might be it. Um, So I flew home to Philadelphia, was with my family for the weekend, saw my father. And honestly, I was struck by how emotional I was. I actually couldn't believe how upset I was, which might sound weird when you hear like, oh, her father's dying. Um, But like I said, he had been struggling with Parkinson's and dementia for literally half my life. He was diagnosed when I was 15. And I had gotten used to not having parents because my
1: mother, for those who don't know, my mother passed away when I was 25. 2017, 25. And my father in his state of having Parkinson's
0: and dementia hasn't been able to be a real father to me for at least a couple years, if not more. And so I had gotten used to this idea that I don't technically have parents, not in the traditional sense. And yet something about
1: the finality of my dad actually leaving this earth rocked me completely rocked me and so
0: between December 10th or whatever it was and when he died on
1: December 27th I was incredibly out of touch with myself which is really
0: weird for me to experience Um, I consider myself to be someone who's actually you know incredibly in touch with myself I check in constantly. I'm, I, not only do I have a therapist, a coach, and a shaman, but I also work on myself daily. I journal. I meditate. I touch my body. I talk to my body. I talk to myself. All these things. And for that period of time, it was as if I couldn't process what I was feeling until a day or two later. So I started making decisions. Like I slept with a couple people that I shouldn't have, who I didn't even want to sleep with. I was just completely numbed out. Completely not in tune with myself and my body, and um, yeah, I think that was just a coping mechanism that I created in that moment, and that was weird and shocking for me to experience. And it also kind of made me, or not, it made me, I as a result, um, I put a pause on a lot of things that I was doing,
1: I could barely work, um. And I let myself take that time off. So I stopped recording
0: podcasts. I stopped having these conversations. I, I only took clients that I had to take. And, uh, you know, we went into the holiday. I actually got COVID right before Christmas, couldn't spend Christmas with my family, which was upsetting at the time. But luckily, my quarantine period was over the day that, or it was the, over the day, it was, it was supposed to be over on the 28th. And by the 27th, I was um, staying near my family, but not with them. And my sister-in-law finally said, you know what? This is ridiculous. You felt fine for days. I'm over this. You need to come home. Come home with us. Come to dinner.
1: And we went out to dinner that night. And at dinner, I got the call that my father had
0: passed away. So it was like a total God thing that I was with my family, able to be with them. And it was also such a, a surreal experience. It might sound weird, but I had always imagined that moment when I when I would get the call, but I had imagined that I would get it from my brother. Um, I have two older half brothers who are um, in their fifties. And um, I was with one of them and my sister-in-law and my nephew. And um, the one that I was with, he and I have always been really, really close. His name is Rick, and I always imagined getting that call from him. And you know, when you when someone you love, it, it might sound weird to someone who's never lost someone, but when someone you love is actively dying for a long period of time, these are things that at least I imagined. These are things that I rehearsed in my head. I think as a way to prepare myself. And my oldest brother, Bill, who um, so selflessly took on a big burden with being with my dad with doctors and all that stuff, um, I guess he was in a spin class, didn't get the call. They tried to call him first. Then they tried to call my brother, Rick, who I was with, who just didn't have his phone on and, on him. And then they called me and it came up on my Apple Watch. And I looked at my sister in law and I said, Someone with the area code from there is calling me. And she said, Answer it. So it was really strange and surreal for me to be the first one to know and to get that call. Anyway, I'm kind of getting in the weeds here, but that, (laughs) you know, to paint the picture of my experience, it was a really intense time. And, um, Yeah, it really, my father's death just really impacted me a lot more deeply than I thought it would. And, you know, I mentioned that my mom passed away a few years ago. I started losing my hair when I was 18. And not only did I start losing my hair when I was 18, but I've also been through several cycles of it coming back and then falling out again. So I've had this like pattern of loss of my the hair on my head, the hair on my face, like my eyebrows, my eyelashes, all of it has gone and come back, gone and
1: come back, gone.
0: And I've I also at one point lost
1: a 10-month-old puppy
0: who died very suddenly and very unexpectedly. And no one understood why. And it was, it was kind of like my father's death was the
1: last straw in a culmination of like. 12 years of intense loss. And going into January after that, my trauma
0: had never felt so physical or as physical as it did in that moment. Um, felt so present, so clear that it was deeply inside of me to the point in which like, you know, I went into January and Seb and I drove across the country, went from Chicago to San Diego. We had already planned to spend the month of January in San Diego. My family and I put my dad's funeral on hold because of COVID and I went forward with that plan And in San Diego, I tried to give myself that space for healing as well. I only took clients that were already on my schedule. I didn't really take any extra meetings. I didn't force myself to do anything above and beyond. And yet I was so like deep in the thick of this feeling of insane loss. um, To the point where I was like self-sabotaging even my relationship with Seb. Like there were nights where he said to me, hey, I love you and I'm trying to be here for you. I need you to stop pushing me away. And I would say things back to him, snap back at him. I honestly don't even remember what they were. But they would come out of my mouth and I'd then I'd like sit there and be like, where did that come from? Why did I just say that? Like, I want to accept his love. I want to receive his support. Why am I pushing it away when that's not even what I want to do it was almost like this my automatics were so intense my survival mechanisms were so intense at that time that I felt like I had no control over them in those moments and it was shocking for me again because I've been in this healing work now for years I've been in therapy for like five years been in coaching for three and a half and Uh, I just was blown away by my
1: own reaction. And it was really hard for me to be with. And so when I found
0: myself rejecting love from someone that is one of the people I love most in this world, I knew something was up. I knew that I needed to seek out something more.
1: I knew that there was more healing for me to do. and. For a couple
0: of months, and by the way, throughout this whole time, the thoughts of working with men, the research about working with men was still going on, just not as intense. It wasn't as, um, you know, it wasn't as intense and like, it must happen now, like I was doing in November. Like I said, I was giving myself the grace and the space to only do what I had to do, only have the clients that I already had signed on. But it was still some, a conversation I was having. It was still something I was putting out into the world. It was still something that I was exploring within
1: myself throughout all of this.
0: And for a while, like probably six months at that point, I had had people just kind of putting the idea of psilocybin mushrooms into my space. And when I got to San Diego, it was even more, it was like, almost like every other person I talked to mentioned it and how great it was for their own healing. So I was like, okay, I feel like there's a calling here. (laughs) And I was super, super intrigued. And also not only that, but I was like kind of getting desperate to be honest with you. I was so present to how visceral my trauma felt how it literally felt like there was something inside of my stomach that was just like just just like swimming in there and like stuck in there like as if it was like stuck to the walls of my body and my organs and and it just needed to be released and i didn't know how to release it and i was getting so like upset about it and i just felt like i couldn't be with it any longer So I was willing to try anything, honestly. And I got put in touch with someone who was a healer, who worked with psilocybin. And I'm a firm believer, especially now, that if something is right and if something is meant for you, it's not that it will just come to you, but you will be able to create it with ease and things will work out with ease. And so, with this particular person, the scheduling, the logistics, it was just, even though she came highly recommended, it was just not coming with ease. I would have had to jump through hoops in order to make it happen. And something just did not sit well with me. And I knew intuitively that it wasn't right for me. And so I said no to that. And then my sister in law got in a huge accident. She was sleepwalking, fell. Her whole face was cut open, 300 stitches, nine hours of trauma surgery, level three concussion, all this stuff. So I ended up flying home to DC, left my dogs in, uh, I was then in San Francisco at the time, uh, left my dogs there, flew home to help my family
1: for a couple of weeks.
0: And while I was there, I, I just randomly decided, you know what, I'm just going to like put out more feelers, see if anyone knows anyone in the San Francisco, San Francisco area texted a couple people that i know um, who I'm like uh who I'd met like a couple years ago and things like that to see if they knew of anyone in the area and one person was like immediately yes I have someone for you and I got on the phone with um Mandy who is my shaman now um who I'm sure you'll hear a lot about from me <laughs> as well uh and I we got on the phone on the Thursday I was supposed to fly back to San Francisco Saturday and she told me that she was hosting a journey on Sunday. And I immediately after talking to her for like 10 minutes, I was like, yep, I'm in. (laughs) And it just felt like such an immediate full body. Yes. Like this is the person, this is the facilitator. This is the journey that I need to be on. And I really didn't know what to expect. I went into it with such an open mind and open heart And I showed up that Sunday in San Francisco and it was Mandy and another facilitator and then eight other women as well who um, we all did the journey together. And it was incredibly beautiful and it was led by sound. So Mandy played Sound bowls and gongs and things like that. And that led the journey. And looking back, I totally understand why I was not supposed to work with the first person I was put in contact with because that person uses her voice and asks questions and guides the journey that way. And for me to see the things that I saw in my journey, I don't know if I would have believed them if someone's voice and questions had led me there. The fact that it was led completely by sound. And that these things that I saw were completely in my subconscious and the spiritual world. And I could have never made them up myself. No one else could have ever made them up either. Made Makes me believe them so wholeheartedly. Um, Yeah, it's really super, super wild. But I saw stuff from past lives. And I'm someone who like, I never believed in past lives before this. It wasn't that I was staunchly against them, but I was just like, oh, there's, I don't know. There's no real evidence, right? Like, who knows? No, I'm a believer now. (laughs) Saw past lives. I saw stuff from this life that I needed to heal. Things that I like just could not access consciously. Um, Like I said, been in therapy, been in coaching for years. And these are things that I didn't recognize before as being incredibly traumatic, and that I was holding on to. Um, I will totally do another episode and get more into that another day, Uh, but I would be here for like two hours telling y'all about everything that I saw and did in that journey. Um, But that was such a transformative, pivotal point for me, and one of the things that I saw and received in that journey was God telling me that, yes, you are on the right path with men, that you are vital to men, and men are vital to you and that this is your journey, this is your purpose,
1: and to lean into it.
0: And so that was the end of February this year, a few months ago. And since then, I started working with Mandy one-on-one as a shaman. So now I have a coach, a shaman, and a therapist. I'm deep in it, y'all. And um, it's amazing. It's amazing. And I've been doing so much work the deepest healing work I've ever done in my whole life which again like I didn't think it could go deeper <laughs> truly <laughs> I was like oh I'm almost there I'm almost done no I, yeah it's crazy so um anyway getting back to the purpose of my of my work and this podcast all of this just has completely contributed to where I am now and um As I've been working with Mandy ever since that journey, I, for one thing, feel so much more at peace about my parents, more at peace about them than I ever have in my life. And I am so clear on exactly why the timeline happened that way that it did too. Like That working with that one person and then feeling that call to work with men and then my father passing away and him being such a... um, such an example for the men that I want to work with now, like, and which I also came to organically, like when I came to my niche organically, I was like, holy crap, that's my dad. Uh, It all just kind of comes together. But anyway, looking at working with men, and why I want to work with men
1: in this journey in this time that I've done all of this healing and learning I have
0: become so incredibly passionate about men's healing, and I truly think that it is the key to healing the world. Oops, sorry, (laughs) my
1: calendar. Um,
0: Yeah, I truly think it's the key to everything. And bear with me, because some people be like, you know, men don't need to be lifted up anymore, men have all the power. And that's exactly why they need to have this work and that's exactly why they need to learn to live their most fully expressed lives because we live in a society in which men and oftentimes white men hold most of the power
1: in america and the world and yet though they are in a system that gives them
0: more power than others They are very rarely actually celebrated for who they are. They are very rarely actually allowed to be something different than what society tells them that they should be. As a woman, for me, it's a lot easier for me to walk down the street and push barriers and boundaries of what a woman should look like. I don't get my sexuality or gender identity questioned depending on whether I wear a dress or I wear pants. But for a man, that's immediately called into question. Not only called into question, but they often get assaulted either verbally or physically. And that's just one small example, right? That's just a very small, small example of what I'm talking about. But what I'm really looking at is like, There's this idea that a man has to fit into this box, this box that looks like being strong, both physically and emotionally, being stoic, not sharing many of your emotions, but also being in tune with them enough that you can be empathetic and hold space for other people, right? This idea that a man has to be successful at everything they do whether it's money or sports. And if they're not good at sports, then they have to know a lot about sports. (laughs) Um, That men have to be the breadwinner, that they have to provide for their family, that it's weird if a guy is a stay-at-home dad or husband, that femininity means something about their sexuality or their gender identity. Or the even idea that there is just masculine and feminine is just in the way that you look and present yourself. When in
1: reality, in the way it's in nature, it's so much more than that. And, you know, I could go on about the man box for a while, but those are the main facets of it. And.
0: This man box actually oppresses men and tells them that they can only look like that one thing and that anything else causes them to risk their status as a man. They get called things like pussy, bitch, gay. Men go around saying, I love you, no homo, as if like loving someone and expressing that is, again, as an indication of their gender identity or sexuality. We teach boys that they can't cry, that they can only play with trucks and not dolls, that the color
1: blue is for them, and the color pink is for girls.
0: And all of these things are
1: made up. And when and like I said, it oppresses men, tells them that they can only look and be one like one thing, and encourages them to chase this never-ending success. This line that keeps getting pushed further and further away from them. And that they also have to be hypersexual.
0: And that the only intimacy that they can really safely look for
1: is through sex. And this impacts all of us. It doesn't only impact men because when men feel oppressed, they oppress other people. When people think that they're not allowed to be different, they get mad when somebody else is. And so my theory (laughs) is that by healing men, allowing them
0: to explore this idea that they can be really anything they want and still be as successful as they want, still be as loved as they want,
1: we actually open up the door for them to allow everyone else to be exactly what they want as well. Oppressed people, oppress people, hurt people, hurt people. And I truly believe it's the key to everything
0: because, you know, so many women out there have been trying to fight for equality for a long time, but instead of calling men in to fight with them, they've been fighting against
1: them. And I truly don't think that we will get anywhere by doing that. I think that it is so much more powerful to fight together than against each other.
0: And so for me, working with men is not only something that I'm passionate about because I love men, it is something that I see as being a way
1: for me to impact women in an even bigger way than if I were to work with women directly. Because women are so much more reliable to seek out this
0: work and to feel like they're allowed to, right? A big part of it is that men don't even feel like they're allowed to get support a lot of the time or else it makes them look weak and it says something about them.
1: So I'm so interested in how can we open up this conversation where like, you know, there's a lot of rhetoric out there of like, people want men
0: to be soft and they want them to change and they want them to look like something. They want them to be like women. <laughs> and like... No, I don't care. You can be literally anything you want. That's my point. I'm not saying men need to be more like women. I'm not saying that
1: men need to cry every day or show every emotion. Like, no, do whatever you want. And when we allow
0: people to just be who they want to be, when we allow people to live their most fully expressed lives
1: and be their most fully expressed selves, we all end up happier. It doesn't feel good to feel like you're hiding. It doesn't feel good to feel like your whole life is a secret, who you are is something different from whoever else wants you to be. Does not feel good, no matter who you are, no matter what gender you identify with. And so I want to make it a safe enough world where no one has to hide who they are. So throughout this journey of learning about men and how men's
0: healing can impact all of us, not just men, I have also just become so passionate about the direct impacts on men too. Um, so much of the data out there is so clear on how men's emotional health. <laughs> wow, my dog just burped really loud. I don't know if y'all heard of that. Uh, (laughs) How men's emotional health is a big impact on their physical health as well um and actually the data shows that men's the quality and depth of men's emotional relationships with their male friends is actually a better indicator of their um immune system health and longevity than is their romantic relationships and so like stuff like that just blows my mind, but also is not surprising to me at all, because there's this misconception out there that our bodies are separate from our minds, when in actuality, our bodies are parts of our minds, like the mind includes the body, the mind is the brain and the body working as ones together. And men are taught that their bodies are tools, sexual objects, and uh forces of violence and aggression and that they're somehow like disconnected to it and that they just can't control their physical urges none of that is true (laughs) spoiler alert and so not only does um men addressing these emotional issues help their minds it also helps their bodies and can help healing pain and all that stuff too and also just lead to a better overall quality of life both for them and anyone who loves them right this when you feel good everyone around you is impacted in some way so I could go on forever about the benefits of this work and the conversations that I am having and want to be having in the world but you'll get so much more of that throughout this entire podcast. So I will save a little bit, a lot of it for later. I will step off of my soapbox. Um, but basically, that is the evolution of how this started. The, the name of this podcast was Always Fully Expressed. I actually had a women's coaching group last year called Fully Express because, again, a big part of my mission for a long time was empowering women to live their most fully expressed lives and i just have seen how naturally like that that's now my mission just with men Um, because men living their most fully expressed lives whatever that looks like whether that looks like um what you know quote-unquote traditional men look like in our world where like they're hyper masculine type a um all the things that fits in the man box because that's not wrong either right like everyone's version of manhood is beautiful to me um if that's their fullest expression awesome and if it's not let's figure out what it is and allow them to live it and create a safe space for it because then
1: because when everyone is living at their fullest expression everyone benefits everyone around them benefits I hope it's clear through what I'm saying that
0: I don't really subscribe to the gender binary, nor do I think that there is a right or wrong way to be a man or a right or wrong way to be a woman. And that's the foundation of this, right? Again, that anyone can be whoever they want to be. And so while I'm talking about in terms of simply men and women i hope listeners out there who identify as non-binary as trans that they don't feel isolated because a lot of these stories um or i guess alienated is the proper word a lot of these stories around manhood and womanhood are things that they face daily you face daily and I actually learned the most about it from trans and non binary people. I think they are the pioneers of this, um, which is so, so beautiful. And I should say, they are the pioneers of this in the modern day, right? Um, because we, a lot of what I'll talk about as well is how our society, has accepted these ideas of what a man should be and what a woman should be as if they were the natural truth, as if this is just how the world was created as if this is just how God created us and we were meant to be and if anything else is unnatural, anything outside of the binary is unnatural when actually, if we look back historically, this isn't the case. there are so many different cultures, indigenous cultures who um, organize in a matriarchal system. And, you know, you look back to in history, like warriors wore skirts, right? Men invented heels. And women were actually mocked for wearing heels for a long time. And so all of these things can be traced back to a source of where they came from and why they switched and why the story came about, about why men should look like one thing and why women should look like one thing. And again, there's a lot out there that I will say for the future, but to just give you a foundational idea of where I'm coming from,
1: one of my favorite things to tell people is that everything is made up. Everything about this world is made up. Some of it
0: feels really, really, really true to us because it's been passed down to us and ingrained in our subconscious through years of generational trauma and history. But when you really think about it, all the things that we relate to as being the truth about the world were made up by a person or people.
1: And so that means that
0: when we... And that idea can be really scary to people because we as humans like to have something to latch on to. We like to be able to hold on to something that we can... um, really believe in and sink our teeth into and and that gives us a sense of who we are and our identity so it can be really scary but it can also be really really freeing really really
1: freeing to know that you actually get to decide how anything and everything goes and so essentially
0: this is the space
1: for that for us to explore The whole world through as many different lenses as we want to and it is my hope that through this podcast men and women alike can see how what a loving act it is to allow people to be their most fully expressed selves and that everything is in this world is a cry for love And that so much of where so many of us want to be in life stems from freeing ourselves, or will result as result from <laughs> freeing ourselves, from the boxes that we were told we have to stay in. Friends, I could go on forever about this, and I hope to
0: have many more podcast episodes where I explore this both solo and with friends and people in this world who are doing similar things and who are living their most fully expressed lives. So I hope that you learned something about, at the very least, about me today. (laughs) Maybe some thoughts about the world as well, and I hope that we continue to learn and grow together. Because... As much as I want to be a leader in this conversation, I'm also here to learn. And I'm still new to this. Like I said, I only started exploring this world of men and healing and masculinity and everything um, back in like November. You know, I mean, I've always known about it high level, but I'm deep in it now. And it's really really my passion and I'm so excited to bring this conversation to y'all in a different way thank you so so much for joining me on this first published but not first recorded episode of the fully expressed podcast where we explore what it means to live your most fully expressed life and I appreciate y'all for listening if you've gotten this far and If you liked what you heard, please, please, please leave a review, listen to the subsequent episodes. Um, Again, remember that some of them are newer recorded, some of them were recorded back in the fall. I think all of them have incredible, incredible value to provide to you. And find me, you can find me on Instagram at Stina, S T I N A, and then E for my middle name, and Roland, R O W L A N D. Um, if you're interested in exploring some coaching with me, some consulting, and having these conversations in your workplace, I do both individuals and workplace coaching. Um, please feel free to send me a message on Instagram. My all my email and things like that is on there too. Or you can check out my website, Um, So yeah, thanks for being here, y'all. I my heart is so full. My heart is so open. And hope that you
1: were able to listen to this episode from that place as well. Sending you so much love. Have a great rest of your day.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Fully Expressed Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Roland. If you loved what you listened to today, please leave us a review and share this episode with a friend. Who in your life could benefit from hearing in this conversation? I'd be honored if you shared it with them. If you want updates on what I'm doing, on podcast episodes, on events I'm hosting, on different coaching opportunities that I have, You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Stina, S-T-I-N-A, E, and then Roland, R-O-W-L-A-N-D. And post everything on there, quickest way to find out what's going on. Also, I love connecting with you all. So please feel free to send me a message and let's create this community of fully expressed people in the
1: world. Sending y'all love.